You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. And it's good to hear what Matthew said just then, and what Crystal also prayed about, and what one of the songs was particular was speaking about. Just um, I know who uh, goes before me. I know who stands behind. It doesn't matter in this day and age whether we're living in the United States, the United Kingdom, or Australia, where there seems to be a real shaking. God is still in sovereign. And I know there's a lot of Americans in here, a lot of Brits and a lot of Australians. And uh, let's just trust in our sovereign God this time. Anyway, the sovereignty of God comes into our talk today, but it's not what it's about. It's about rest today. Um, I felt for a number of weeks, maybe months now, that this is a topic that um, I should address. And today is the morning. And uh, it really has been something that's been on my mind since coming to Australia 10 years ago. Um, I began to notice very quickly that Australia doesn't stop. And uh, it's very much, I suppose, the case in the Western world. Um, the United States was probably a pioneer of this. Um, United Kingdom, probably uh, 25 years ago, started to um, have seven-day trading and things like that. And our Western society began to look less and less like it had a rest. Now, we have been to Asia. We spent one year in Asia as well. And my goodness, it just seems like the whole sea of humanity in Asia doesn't rest either. They just seem to be going around like ants seven uh, days a week, 365 days a year. And I don't know how they stick it. One American doctor called uh, Dr. Neil Nedley said that the vitamin that is most, the vitamin or the vitamin, as you say here, that is most lacking in America is vitamin R, the vitamin R complex, R1, R2, R3, and R4. Now, all you medical people are going, what in the world is that? It's actually rest. It's the vitamin called rest, and it's lacking. The, the daily rest, the weekly rest, the recreational holiday-type rest, and then the prayer and meditation rest, meditation being Christian meditation, just in case you wonder. The four R's. We'll look at that a little bit later. You know, lack of rest is our enemy. I'm sure you, you know that. It leaves us feeling cranky, uh, sick, and tired. But you know, also, too much rest is also our enemy. There are many, many verses. I think there are 36 verses in the Bible about the sluggard. Um, <laughs> I'll give you one of them. Proverbs 6, verse 9. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Will you get up? When will you get up from your sleep? Now, I don't think that's a big issue here, but too much rest is also an enemy. And uh, it just seems that as society moves uh, more and more into the whole idea of prosperity and long life, then rest becomes more and more unobtainable. It seems to be something that is getting farther and farther away from it. So today's sermon has arisen out of a, a felt need, an observed need that I have seen in Australian society, and in Asian society, South American society, British society as well, and I've heard about in America. So there are two issues when it comes to rest and the Sabbath. One is um, rest itself, and the other is about keeping the Lord's day aside for him. But we're going to major this morning on the rest side of things, because I feel that that is something that maybe many here are lacking in and need to figure out a way in which you can Take more rest for yourself. <clears throat> the truth is that fallen society 
Not just today, but always, ever since the fall, fallen society has been restless to one degree or another. It's just been that throughout certain times in history when the Word of God has had more influence on society, then rest has been a little more obtainable. And uh, a few decades ago, it was a general consensus, even here in Melbourne, that Sunday was a day of rest, a day to stop work, and cities like Melbourne would have stopped and have been noticeably different from other days. I think you can still notice that it's different, but not to the same extent. And um, I think what's happened is the biblical Christian voices have, become, have been diminished, and we have lost a lot of ground in that area. Sunday trading came in. Those who wanted seven-day Sunday trading thought it was a good thing. They've won the day. Um, seven-day sports, they've won the day. And uh, really and truly, for many, many people, even for Christians, it's no longer, it's a non-issue really, whether they're seven-day trading or uh, Sunday sports and all that kind of thing, which make all the days seem the same. So culturally, we are moving further and further away from the, the possibility of having a collective rest uh, as, as a society. And that actually, we're paying for that, but maybe a little bit more on that later on. Um, at least two secular cultures have tried to mess with the seven-day week cycle. I don't know if you know this, but in the French Revolution, they really cast, wanted to cast everything of king and everything of religion out. So they get rid of the king and they try to get rid of religion. And they said, we'll have a 10-day week. And we'll have 10 hours in each day. We'll have 100 minutes in each hour. And we have 100 seconds in each minute. So guess how long that lasted. <laughs> the French people weren't going to be very happy about going from one day off in seven to one day off in ten. It didn't last ten years, I think. Just about that. Anyway, then the Soviet Union, they tried to have a five-day week in order to interrupt the Christian cycle. You know, the Christian cycle is seven days. People go to church seven days. So they thought... Let's do a five-day week, and it will, it will just interrupt everything. So they tried that. The people were miserable. So they thought, let's do six. So they did six for a while. That didn't work. Guess where they ended up? Back at seven. I wonder who invented that. He was brilliant. <laughs> it was our creator God himself who invented the seven-day cycle. And uh, I just meant to, uh, should say that um, this man, Dr. Nedley, mentioned a, a cycle that has been recognized in science as a seven-day cycle in healing and in other things. It's called the Circa Septum Rhythm. Circa being cycle or circle, and Septum seven. And it's been noticed that that's what humans go by. I even saw links to, that animals go by a seven-day cycle as well. See, it was God in his inter, infinite understanding and wisdom who built into us a seven-day cycle. And that's why he gave us one day of rest, because that cycle was already built into our very DNA. And so when we tamper with that or set it aside, society pays a very high price. We end up with bad health. We end up with families disintegrating because they have less and less time together to just spend quietly together. And we can't mess with what God has instituted not just what he's legislated but what he has built into the rhythm of nature we can't mess with that so what is the opposite of rest well um i think it's important to mention this because there are two ideas of what the opposite of rest is um 
I think that uh, when we say that work is the opposite of rest, that's a good opposite. See, rest is not good and work is not bad. They're both good, but they're kind of opposite in a way. Imagine what the world would be like without work. Uh, there would be no world, I don't think. We wouldn't be here. But what is a bad opposite to rest is striving and toil. You know, you feel like you're working and toiling away for no real lasting reward and no satisfaction. That's the opposite that has to be dealt with and set aside. So let's look at the word Sabbath. The Hebrew word Sabbath or Shabbat is um, a word that means to cease. And um, how are we going? Um, is the PowerPoint? Yeah, that's it. Up to the, the, the Sabbath. The Hebrew word Sabbath means to cease. And um, God was the first one to cease. Some people wonder why in the world did God have to cease? I mean, was he tired? No, he wasn't tired. But I think the, the reason God ceased was to set for us an everlasting principle that we would follow to stop on the seventh day. And uh, when it comes to looking at the very beginning of things, it's really, really good to go to the very start. If you have been to um, The Sound of Music lately, you will know that. It said, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. And it's amazing what you can learn at the theatre. I know some of you have been or are going. And uh, did you know that they brought out a creation principle there as well? Because if we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3, we'll find out the beginning of all things. And we find that the week had seven days. And do you know what else you'll find out? You'll find out that the musical scale had seven notes as well. Um, if you go back to the beginning. Doe, a deer, a female deer, and so on. I'm not going to sing it to you. But you know what else you'll find out in Genesis? You'll find out about the rainbow. How many colors has God's rainbow? Seven. How many colors is man's rainbow? Appropriately. Yeah. Man's rain rainbow has six colors. That's the number of man. And um, three times that's the number of the beast. But God's number is always seven. Um, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 1. 31, and we'll go right through to Genesis 2, verse 3, and we'll find out about the beginning of Sabbath. Someone said, if you don't cease, you will seize. I think that's a good little uh, quip. If you don't cease, you will seize. And um, be very careful, all of us, that we don't end up seizing, because that's really hard to get unstuck again. And let's uh, read these words. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all his work of creating all that he had done. So in the, in the scripture, we see the history of the Sabbath. The Lord deliberately ceased from his creation of all that he had done. The Lord, as I said, was the first Sabbath keeper. And uh, not that he had to, but that he wanted to set down a principle for us. And it's wonderful to think that God 
has, from the very beginning of time, provided for us one day a week to rest. It's just up to us whether to take it or not. But he has always provided. It's not that it hasn't been there. It's also amazing to note and wonderful and typical of our God that the very first full day of human beings was a rest day. Imagine going into a job and saying, congratulations, you've got the job. Tomorrow is your day off. That would be really nice, wouldn't it? God did that for us. The first sunrise that human beings saw was the sunrise of the Sabbath, a day of rest. And isn't it really wonderful that human history, sanctified human history, is bookended by rest. The first day was rest, and the eternal ever and ever last day will be rest. Isn't that wonderful? Rest is a very, very important, huge subject in the Bible. And uh, in fact, it's one of the original subjects of the Bible. And not only that, it is built into our daily lives. How many days do you think you could go without resting at all? Well, I couldn't go more than one, (laughs) I don't think. Uh, Maybe there's some here who have been trained in the army or something like that who have had to do it for two or three. But eventually, there will be a crash. That's because rest is programmed into our daily lives. And also, even I notice our dog and our bird rest every day as well. And uh, it's built into the whole of nature. And this day of rest became institutionalized in Israel after the time of Moses when the law came. And it may well have been there before because God talks about Abraham obeying all of his uh, laws and regulations. And we don't know what they were. They're not written anywhere. But it could well have been that Sabbath was right there before Israel as well. So what is the purpose of Sabbath rest? Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And this is really true chronologically as well, because who was made first, man or the Sabbath? Man and woman were made first, the day before the Sabbath. So if we had been made on the eighth day, it could be said the Sabbath uh, was, uh, man was made for the Sabbath, not the Sabbath for man. But we can't say that because we were first. And so this means that there are benefits coming to us from Sabbath. Otherwise, God wouldn't have given it to us. We were singing this morning about, you're a good, good father. Didn't we sing about that? And uh, Jesus said, you, you know, earthly fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does our heavenly father know how to give us good gifts? And one of those gifts is Sabbath rest. And uh, one of the benefits of the Sabbath is found in Isaiah 58, verse 13. I'll read it to you. That benefit is joy and delight. It says here, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by going, not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Sabbath is a result of freedom, I think. You know, we say um, that freedom is a result of a Sabbath. You could say that, but I believe that Sabbath comes about as a result of freedom. Can you imagine the joy of the Israelites who've been slaving seven days a week, 365 days a year in Egypt for hundreds of years, that when they were taken out and given the law, all of a sudden they found that they had 52 holidays a year. Can you imagine the joy of those people? 
from no holidays a year to 52 all in one leap. Can you imagine what would happen if in Australia we suddenly got 52 more holidays in a year? <laughs> well, I think we'd be broke completely. But, um, and then those children of Israel, they complained. But uh, they didn't know how good they had it, I suppose. 52 days holiday in one year from zero. That was, that was uh, a result of freedom, wasn't it? They couldn't have that. They couldn't have Sabbath because they had no freedom to have Sabbath. I think this is a very, very important concept. I want, to, I want you to ask yourself this morning, because you can't have Sabbath if you haven't got freedom. I want you to ask yourself, do you have a Sabbath? And is it because you're not free that you don't have it? If you don't have it. You may say to me, I have no time for Sabbath. Well, then I say to you, you're not free. There's, there's, there's something, whether it's imposed by other people or imposed by yourself in your life that has come in and has taken away your freedom to have rest. I want you to just ponder a little bit on that thought because if that's your life right now, it can't go on very long without you suffering. And not only you, but those around you will suffer as well because you'll get cranky, you'll get tired, you'll get sick, you'll be incapacitated, and um, it's not good at all. You cannot say you're free. I cannot say I'm free if I'm not free to have a Sabbath. So if it's coming from, if this lack of freedom is coming from outside, impositions upon you, see what you can do to free yourself from that. If it's your own imposition, then I encourage you to change your lifestyle in some drastic way so that you can rest. Because rest is so important. Because there's physical benefit also from rest. I want to ask all of us who feel perpetually tired, um, if we have currently a day and place where we rest, if your answer is yes, and you're still really tired every day and exhausted, then you need to see a doctor. If your answer is no, then you need to perhaps change the way you do things. Because it could be, couldn't it, that that lack of Sabbath is the reason why you're so tired and exhausted all the time. Could that be? I think it wouldn't be too much of a, an extrapolation to go to that conclusion. Because we're not meant to. I think of you moms. You, you, some of you work two or three days a week because you have to. Then you have to go home and you clean and you iron and you do the housework. And then you have to leave the kids all over the place. And you're exhausted. Is there any way things could be different? You never get what you call a really proper day of rest. Is that true? Perhaps you need to do something. I think if you dads, you work five or six days a week. And then when you come home on the day off that you do get, there's house maintenance or something else that has to be done. You're here in church this morning, you got your priorities right, but is there something else that you can do to give yourself one proper day's rest? I want to encourage you to do that. See, Sabbath must be planned and prepared for. And uh, it's very difficult today because we have to do that planning ourselves now. Years ago, society planned it for us. Pretty much. Came around the cycle. You knew Sunday was a day to not go to work, take it easy, go to church, 
have a nap in the afternoon, all that kind of stuff. By the way, did any of you have a Sunday afternoon nap still? Or a Sabbath nap? I hope you do. It's good. Refreshing. Sabbath must be prepared for. Perhaps you're in a job that you work on Sundays sometimes. And uh, you, it's not possible to have this, this day off. Perhaps you work on Saturdays. It's not possible to have Saturday off. I urge you to find one day a week where you can have off where all the to-do list is just snipped off and gone. You may say that's impossible. Well, it might be pretty hard in these days, in this day and age, but please, I urge you to try and do something about that constant activity, which is going to harm us all. Sabbath also needs to be regular. You remember we talked about the 10-day week? And uh, things like that, how it didn't really, it didn't really work. It has to be a seven-day regular thing in order for us to, to function properly. But remember, it's built into our DNA. It's built into the creation. Um, some pastors, they take Mondays off. Some take Fridays off. Um, in my own life, I've really had to, to work hard at this because um, get Friday off in Elton Baptist. And there's um, a lot of things to do around the house. So I have to decide whether I'm going to take Friday or Saturday as a Sabbath and really stick to it. And it's not easy because the grass is coming up around the windows and things like that. And uh, the dog has ripped up the agapanthas and things like that, and it has to be fixed, but uh, just rest. Those things don't really matter. And then I think also Satan has played a role in attacking rest. You remember, he's a restless being. As we see in uh, Isaiah 48, verse 22, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And he's the wicked one, par excellence. He's no peace. He's no rest. He's harried because he knows his days are numbered. He knows his destination. The Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion. You know the, the way they pace up and down, roaring. No peace, no rest. Then also it says in Job that he goes around the world to and fro, He's a restless being. And all he wants is that we are also restless. So he makes circumstances in our lives that cause us to suffer from a lack of rest. He allows people to bring in laws which make us more and more um, harried and hassled um, by not allowing us to rest collectively. Maybe if you're over 40, you can remember when it was quieter. I certainly can. John Piper said, you know, I think it is physiologically and from a creation order standpoint a wise thing just to take one day in seven and set it aside as a day when you can physically recharge. I want to encourage you again to do that. I want to give you a story as well from a real-life story which shows the benefits of this. Believe it or not, I used to live in an exclusively Christian commune, and it was called the Logos II. Uh, tin box uh, in the sea, and all of the people there were Christians. And believe it or not, we didn't know how to stop. Does that surprise you? We had no idea how to stop. So 24-7, seven days a, a, a week, 52 weeks a year almost, except when we had a big long voyage, we were going, 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 going. And in the early days, there were no holidays. So I was on the ship for two years without a holiday. 
That was the bad old days. <laughs> now we have holidays. Anyway, we've got other things as well. We as a leadership recognized that this going, 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 busy, 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 work, work, work was not good for society. There was no one day on the ship when the ship felt like it stopped. And so we decided that we would make Monday the day off. So when we presented this, when we presented this plan to the authorities higher up, um, they didn't like it. Some of them were afraid that it was going to hurt the finances because if we had shut one day, then obviously, potentially, theoretically, a seventh of our finances would be gone. And then also, a seventh of our ministry opportunities would be gone. And they didn't really like it, but they relented and they let us give them credit. They, they relented and they let us try it and experiment. You know what happened? I've got a big long list of things that happened here, so I don't want to miss any. Um, what happened was one day a week the ship was void of guests. Now for the introverts there, that must have been heaven. For the extroverts, they must have suffered a little bit. They only had 325 other people. Oh, no, that was the Logos Hope. The Logos 2 had 214 people. That was enough by any stretch, wasn't it? So we stopped. The things went really quiet. People were able to go out in large groups to do things together. We did excursions. We all we booked a theme park one day, and we went there. And uh, one Monday, it was Monday, and uh, theme parks don't do very well on Monday, so they let us come in. And we had it all to ourselves. What else did we do? Morale went up. Morale took a real leap forward. People were less tired. Did the, finan did the finances suffer? What do you think happened to finances? They went through the roof. In fact, the ministry of Logos II, at that point, supported the entire ministry of the ships. People were fresher, people were happier. And the outcome of getting nearer to a biblical understanding of rest was amazing. Very, very positive. Did we master it? No, we didn't. We didn't completely master it, no. But the Lord honored our desire to get there, to get in that direction. And to this very day, OM ships still do Monday off. They saw how uh, it was a very enriching thing. Going back to a principle that God not only legislated, but built into our DNA. What an amazing thing that happened. So I was very pleased to hear Matthew reading Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He said this, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, if we're running, running, running seven days a week, what difference or how different are we from the world around? They need to see people who are quietly resting in God and for whom things actually are working out. And they'll scratch their heads and they'll wonder, what is going on here? Who's looking after these people? You see, taking a rest is a step of faith. I'll come to that a little bit later. We need to be different. When we rest, we'll begin to prosper in the real sense of the word. Shalom is a, is a Hebrew word for peace. And that only could really be truly manifest when there was a rest happening. 
Rest is a gift. Jesus said, um, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest is an absolute gift given to us through the Sabbath, but then also spiritually given to us through salvation in Jesus Christ. Our society began to think of, of Sabbath rest as, a, as an economic burden. Isn't that right? It began to see that we're not trading enough, we're not selling enough, we need to open up all our businesses, we need to get the economy rolling 24-7. And I believe that we have begun to pay for that in increased uh, mental issues. There, ask any psychiatrist or psychologist and they will tell you that mental illness is epidemic now. We live actually in the shire with the most mental illness. It's supposed to be one of the most livable shires in the most livable city of the world. But there was a survey done recently to say that there, is more, uh, there are more mental issues among the young people here than any other shire. It could well be that because the families are more well healed that they take their kids to psychologists more. I don't know. But there's more recorded mental illness here than any other shire in Melbourne. And that's uh, potentially a result of this constant, constant going and the emphasis on the economy. But rest is a gift, a good gift from God. Let's take it from him and accept it. Rest is also spiritual. Jesus said, and you will find rest for your souls. And in a very real way, physical rest, since we are holistic beings, we're spiritual, we are uh, psychological, we are physical, and we're complete beings. And if our physical rest is not there, then it affects every other part of us. I'm not saying physical rest will save us, by the way. I'm just saying that as holistic beings, it's a vitally important part of well-being. And where it doesn't exist, well-being cannot be very good. If there's such a word, it would probably be bad being. And rest also is a consequence of coming to Christ. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a consequence of coming to him. And a consequence of aligning our life correctly with the things that God has built into us. And then, sec and again, rest is a choice. Jesus said, come to me. We can either come or we can stay away. We can either rest or we can either not rest. Rest is a necessity. We know that even by looking at nature. There is nothing in nature that doesn't rest. I used to wonder about our hearts. You know, they go all the time. So I asked the cardiology, a cardiologist one day, um, our heart never rests, does it? He says, oh, of course it does. It rests between every beat. <laughs> that was amazing. It's a good job, isn't it? Yeah. And rest is a step of faith. When we look at what needs to be done, very often we think, oh, if I don't do that, there will be consequences. Perhaps we should rather think, um, no, I need to rest, because if I don't rest, there will be consequences. Not right. Sometimes we need to do things, but if we don't rest at all, there will be consequences. And stopping work in obedience to the Lord is actually a step of faith. We're relying on Him to look after that which has remained undone. 
This is not an excuse to be lazy. It's just a reason to take a rest. There are a few words that begin with R that um, have come from the navigators, and I would just like to read them through quickly to you. Rest has five phases. And the first one is release and relinquish. Release and relinquish. What do we release and relinquish? We release the worries and the cares and the chores, the tasks of work and ministry for one whole day. Release, relinquish. Just give them up for one whole day. The second phase is rest and recovery. And this is the weekly chance to manage the pace of life. Do you feel that just the weeks run into each other and you don't get a chance to sit down? You need that rest and recovery. Slow down, rejuvenate, another R word. Phase three, reflect and refocus. And this is the uh, time of devotion where we can weekly come aside and have some intense time of experiencing God, listening to his word, worshiping him together. That's reflect and refocus. And once we do that, then we can realign and we can be reassigned. If we don't realign, then we can't really be reassigned. Because Monday, you're going back out into the world again. And if you haven't been realigned, then you're just back in the old rut again. You're not ready to witness in the world. You're not ready to be that city that's set in the hill, that light. You and I are not ready. I have to say it for all of us. Because the fifth phase of rest is actually not rest, it's the start of a new cycle of work, and it is re-entry and re-engagement, where we go back into the world and live for Jesus, work, a witness, and be effective in that way. If we're tired and cranky, we can't do it. We have to be rested. And so in conclusion, I just don't want to pretend that this is easy. This is a very, very hard thing nowadays, because some of us are trapped in certain circumstances that require an awful lot of work. So to, def to find the rest that we need, I think we're going to need help. We're going to need prayer. We're going to need to pray, Lord, can you just really engineer life that I can take a step of faith and pull back from this area, pull back from that area, reassign my tasks and, my, and all that I do in such a way that I can have one day of rest. We're going to need miracles, actually, to get that in today's society. It's not friendly towards rest, although it always says we need it. Because if we can rest and we can experience God, we're practicing for heaven. I just want to read again this verse, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. This is the words of Jesus. Listen carefully. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And may the Lord help us to find that rest, do all that we can to obtain it, and then to live for him in a more effective way. Now, this brings us very, very well into our time of communion. Because we want to talk a little bit about Christ as our rest. And um, just meditate a little bit on a verse or two from Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 11. Listen to these words. If you have them in your Bible, look at them and reflect on them. 
because we're going to spend a little bit of time just meditating on God's Word this morning before we come to the bread and the wine. We're going to take a little bit of time reflecting on our lives, see where we stand with the Lord, do some business with Him, and then we'll come and partake of the elements. Listen to this about Jesus Christ being our true rest. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. What a wonderful truth. I want to read that verse 12 again. But when this priest, that's Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, what did he do? He sat down. When God had finished his work of creation on the sixth day, he rested. When Jesus had finished his work of salvation and redemption, or someone could say recreation, he sat down and he finished. He's rested. He said on the cross, it is finished. What was finished? All the work of salvation, all the striving, all the toil, all the whatever is needed to get right with God, it was done, it was finished. We don't have to labor and strive anymore. No more... Um, laboring after law-keeping in order, in order to be right with God. Jesus provided that way that we could be right with God. And when he did it, he sat down as a symbol to all that nothing else needed to be done. And we're celebrating that work of redemption this morning through the communion. And as we come to do that, I want us to spend a little bit of time just thinking where we are, what's our life, what are our lives like, have we offended anyone this week? Have we sinned against the Lord? Take that to him, confess it, and repent. And then when you're ready, come forward and take the communion. As I pray, perhaps the members of the council and or staff would come up and take your positions here. Please. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that not only have you given us a physical rest, the opportunity to have it. But you've also given us spiritual rest through Jesus. And that he is now seated at the right hand of, of yourself as a symbol that he has finished his work, that his work is complete. We recognize this morning that the work of Jesus Christ was effective, absolutely effective in clearing away all of our sin, the sin of the world, in fact. And we thank you that you've called us to accept your sacrifice. You've called us to repentance. And this morning, together, we repent, both individually and collectively, of all the sins that we've committed, not only this week, but in our lives. Our minds are turned completely against sin. We're walking in the other direction. We thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for the wine that represents your blood, the most precious blood in all the universe, the most effective 
most powerful. We thank you for the bread which represents your body that you gave for us and that was broken for us. We honor you, Lord. We accept your sacrifice. And as we reflect on your mercy and grace this morning, may you warm our hearts, may you realign our souls and reassign our bodies to a new week of ministry and work that will get glory for you and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.